0: Hey there, and welcome to another Health Essentials Podcast. I'm John Horton, your host. It seems we love using cute little phrases to describe the wrinkles time etches on our face. Laugh lines and crow's feet, for instance, or those adorable sounding bunny lines. Funny names, though, don't make age-defining creases a more welcome sight. That's why millions of people a year look to erase the wrinkles through Botox injections, a 10-minute procedure that can make you look 10 years younger. So how does this time machine work? That's what we're going to find out today from Dr. James Zins, Emeritus Chair and Section Head of Cosmetic Surgery at Cleveland Clinic. He's one of the many healthcare experts who visit our weekly podcast to help demystify the world of medicine. So let's get started. After all, we're not getting any younger here as those wrinkles clearly show. Dr. Zins, Thanks for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Well, John, thanks for having me. It th- look, looks like we're going to have some fun.
0: I, 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 think, I think we're going to. Um, and, and obviously, we're, we're talking about uh, treating facial wrinkles today. Uh, and clearly, that's something that bothers a lot of people as they age. Um, is this just a, a beauty thing, or is there something deeper going on?
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's interesting, John. Usually, you know, the uh, the maxim in plastic surgery is many effects, many results, Uh with Botox, it's very different. Here, here it's mini effort but maximum results. So this is sort of an This is really, I think, a divergence from many other treatments that we have. Uh, so really, uh, an office procedure which takes just a few minutes uh, really has a, can have a very significant effect uh, on appearance. Now, that being said, also we should realize that Botox has hundreds and hundreds of uses. It's not just for wrinkles. I mean, it's used for bladder problems. It's used for hit migraine headaches. Uh, it's used for a wide variety of other issues. The The dosage that we use for Botox is extremely small. So the risks involved are really uh, infinitesimal.
0: Well, I lo- we're already just a, a, a few minutes into the podcast, and I feel like there's already been a, a huge amount of information shared. So we, we, we are going to learn a lot today. Great. Um, so you know, I read were Botox injections, and, and that and Botox refers to a specific brand, which is something I learned in in, in looking at this. Uh, but these injections rank as the most common cosmetic surgical procedure uh, performed globally. Uh, can you walk us through kind of how this treatment works? Its magic.
1: You know, it's very interesting. This uh, just a little background uh, is there was actually a, a dermatology ophthalmology couple from Canada which uh, back in the 70s, the ophthalmologist's wife was using Botox for what's called uh, blepharospasm, benign blepharospasm, which is an unconscious uh, squinching of the eyes. And uh, her husband, dermatologist, realized, well, maybe if this can affect unconscious blinking of the eyes, maybe this could help wrinkles. So that's really how Botox started being used for for wrinkles. Now, also, it was used. Botox was used off-label for ten for decades. By that we mean it was approved for benign blepharospasm, but was being utilized by hundreds of thousands of physicians and surgeons uh, for wrinkles. So it's really very interesting, very interesting past history.
0: Well, well So, so with wrinkles, then how, how does this how does how does it work?
1: Well, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, it, we can it, can, it can get very simple and it can be very complex. Um, from a simplistic, uh, situation, what we do is we're using a drug which actually causes some weakening of the muscle or paralysis of the muscle in very, very low dosage. It actually blocks the neuro, uh, neural communication between the nerve and the muscle causing weakening or paralysis of that muscle. Now, the Botox will travel about one centimeter uh, on injection. So you do need to understand the anatomy when you're using the drug to have maximum benefit. Now, that being said, uh, there are other ways to use Botox. Um, For example, in the forehead, brow position can be altered uh, by the use of Botox by weakening depressor muscles and allowing elevator muscles to work unopposed. By that, I mean, depressor muscles are the muscles which close your eye. The forehead muscle raises the brow. And those cause the horizontal wrinkles. If we weaken the muscles that close the eye, the, the brow can then elevate, and that is a very youthful appearance. So there are, there are intricacies of Botox besides just injecting the muscle. Botox can be used Uh, Interestingly enough, if it's used for a prolonged period of time, it can actually cause some muscle atrophy, that is, wasting of the muscle. Uh, So it's been used in the calves, for example, in patients who have big calves and they want to slim down their calves. Now, that being said, Botox is temporary. Uh, So once the treatments have stopped, then the effect uh, goes away.
0: Now, now Botox—it's it, described as as a neurotoxin, uh, correct? And and it's it, and it's one of many different brands that are on the market.
1: Yeah, Botox is is really uh, is really one one commercial name. Uh, there are others: Myobloc, uh, Disport, uh, a number of other botulinum toxins. Uh, you know, that's a scary term uh, when you hear toxin. But again, John, we're using this in such minute drug, so minute doses, that the risk, there, there is no risk from overdosing.
0: Well, I was going to ask you that because you do hear neurotoxin and that just, that doesn't sound like something you just want injected sure. in your head. <laughs> I mean, it does yeah. sound a little scary. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, are there, are there, are there any risks with it?
1: Uh, the, the risks are uh, resulted to uh, inadvertent injection, poor, poor understanding of the anatomy. The muscles of the face, and, and Botox is mostly predominantly used in the upper face, or so around the eyes uh, and the forehead. Um, mo- the muscles are very integrally related. So if we inject the, the Botox into an unwanted muscle, a muscle that we don't want to inject, we can have some untoward effects. Again, so for example, if we inject the, inject the forehead too low, we can actually drop the brow. So the brow looks lower, and that makes patients look older or angry. Similarly, similarly, if, <clears throat> if we miss a diagnosis, uh, upper eyelid ptosis or drooping of the up, upper eye, uh, what, what patients call lazy eye, uh, can be very subtle. If the doctor doesn't realize that the patient has a little bit of a upper eyelid ptosis drooping of the eye, and it can be subtle, injecting the forehead muscles, which elevate the brow takes away the compensation. So what I'm saying is if the eye is droopy, then the patient tends to use the forehead like I'm doing now to raise the brow. If you weaken that attempt, that effort to raise the brow by injecting the forehead, the brow can drop. Uh, and the patient, well, the, the, uh, the ptosis looks worse. So again, you, you need to go to someone who understands the anatomy uh, uh, of the perio- of the face.
0: Now, it seems like you kind of started touching on this a little bit, but but let's kind of go over some of the most common issues and areas addressed by Botox treatment. And I'm I'm pretty sure I can model a few of those wrinkly areas if if you need it too.
1: I think you look pretty handsome myself, John. <laughs> oh,
0: I've got I've got the crow's feet wow. and the, the lines oh coming in. So I I spend a lot of time laughing. So. <laughs>
1: So again, if we talk about the most simplistic way, the easiest way, and the most common ways of, of using Botox, uh, that's to get wrinkles. Probably the most common one is the the 11s, the line, the vertical lines between the eyes, right, right here. When
0: you look concerned, yeah.
1: You know, why are you angry? You look sad. You look angry. Uh, so those muscles can be injected, and then that weakens or makes those lines go away. The laugh lines, another very common use uh, of Botox is to get the laugh lines... Uh, lateral in the lateral eyelid area that's another common use the forehead uh, horizontal lines in the forehead that we talked about another common use but again injecting those forehead lines you, you know, the, the surgeon physicians got to be careful because you could have the untoward effect of inadvertently dropping the brow when that's used so those probably the most common uses another common use is to get the wrinkles around the mouth the vertical lines in the in the upper lip another another common use uh, and that can often be com- com- combined with a filler so that we fill the wrinkle and also address the wrinkle with Botox. And then finally, another common use is to get the corners of the mouth to come up. So as you get older, those corners tend to drop a little bit. Mine dropped a little bit. Botox can actually elevate that their corner, again, by weakening the depressor. So the muscle that pulls down the lip is weakened, allowing the elevators to work relatively unopposed. So those are probably the most common common uses. Uh, other uses, uh, you can use it to uh, to sh- um, shrink or make the masseter muscle uh, not as prominent. Very common in Asian patients called benign masseteric hypertrophy. So uh, that muscle or the v- very wide face, lower face, can be slimmed down by injections of Botox. So lots and lots of uses. As I said, that just touches it. There are hundreds and hundreds of other applications of Botox, medical indications, headache, bladder problems, uh, Ah, uh, TMJ problems—just just hundreds, and hundreds of uses. Wow! And everyone
0: just focuses on the kind of the cosmetic ones. Well,
1: that's sure, yeah. So, the, so I think what you do when you think about Botox, there are the cosmetic uses, and then there's the medical uses. So, so when you get the cosmetic treatment, like what happens afterwards?
0: I mean, is there? a long recovery i mean you talk about you know kind of paralysis of the muscles you you, you feel like there might be a little bit of uh you know some, some time that you need there to, to recover there
1: but is it is it as quick as the procedure yeah again we, we say mini mini uh, effect mini result uh, this again mini minimal effort maximum result it really is just a, v- a very fine needle stick that we do uh, in the office which just takes minutes and there's basically no no recovery um The the side effects that can happen um, are really quite mild, but patients should be aware, especially in the laugh line area, where the skin is very vascular. You can get a bruise. Uh, There can be a little bit of discomfort Uh, occasionally. Patients get headache. You know, headache is a very multifactorial thing, but some patients report headaches after Botox injection. But these effects are, are mild, and again. The, the one thing that I mentioned earlier is, again, if inadvertent injection into a muscle we don't want to inject, we can get some toward effects uh, that I mentioned before.
0: Now, I, I, as somebody who doesn't like needles, I noticed you said a very fine needle. Like, are we talking, is it like a, a flu shot needle or, or like less than that? Is it that hair thin?
1: Well, what we do is we really try to, you know, if you hurt the patient, they're not going to come back. So we do everything we can to minimize discomfort. And there are a number of things that we can do. You can use an ice uh uh, ice to re- reduce the discomfort. I use a, a, a spray uh, called Painies, which we spray on the area before we inject the patient so that the needle, needle dis- uh, discomfort is really minimized. That and there's also topical medicines we can put on we can rub on uh, and to lead to anesthesia. So really the discomfort is really is really minimal. and the needle is, the, is finer than a flu shot needle.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know. As anyone who was listening to this podcast knows, I am um, a very big baby when it comes to anything like that. So I always ask the question. Um, So if you come in and and you get a a Botox treatment, how long can you expect this kind of magic spell to
1: last? Well, the Botox, it's not like the faucet, you turn it on and you turn it off. You will lose, you will gradually lose the effect uh, and it lasts approximately three to four months. Um, so again, it's temporary. Uh, also if there's any adverse effect, you, you know, you realize that's temporary as well. So again, three to four months. So patients do have to return, uh, to maintain the effect. The other thing to realize is with repeated injections, it's interesting. I don't know if it's behavior modification or if it's actually atrophy of the muscle, but with repeated injections, I find that patients uh, really don't, don't frown as much. So, um, and, and why that is, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, you sort of break that. I think you break that habit by behavior modification. That's that's
0: that's an interesting uh, bit of insight there. Um, now, when you say you can come back for it, um, so if it lasts a, a few months, um, can you just keep coming back every couple months and kind of uh, erasing those lines?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I find that patients are usually coming back. They're not coming back periodically at, at three months, but they'll come back at four months, six months uh, for a second injection. There's there's really no no side no no down downside to doing that. Uh, again, perhaps what we what we will see is atrophy of that muscle, so that that time sequence maybe even lasts a little bit longer.
0: Now, now I read where where I know most people view Botox as a way to kind of resolve wrinkles. Uh, but I read where it's also being used a, as a preventative tool. Um, how does how does that work?
1: Well, again, I think uh, uh, that that's more theoretic than than operational. Uh, but the concept there is that what we're doing is one maybe breaking the habit of of, of frowning. That may be one issue, and also. Of, of training that muscle, weakening that muscle or, or making that muscle atrophy. so it's not not as active. Uh, again, I think more of a theoretic thing. I don't think we have hard data to support to support that, but I think it's a reasonable assumption.
0: Well, it's a good thing I'm always smiling doing these podcasts because then I don't think I'm gonna have to come in and get that get that frown taken care of uh, anytime soon. Um, w- when you look at people coming in, are, are there some folks who are, are good candidates for, for Botox?
1: A- Absolutely. Uh, so I think that, um, again, like everything else, the older we get, the more difficult it becomes uh, to rejuvenate the face, to make the face look younger. So those patients that come in, you know, they're 70 years old and they have actually have extra, they have a- excess skin and that frown is deeply ingrained uh, in their skin. Those patients are not going to respond as well as someone whose frown is present only with, with action. Um, so that patient who comes in where the, where the frown is deep, uh, can best be handled by a combination of Botox and a filler. So we're going to inject a filler in that area, a synthetic filler to plump up the skin as well as to weaken the muscle. Uh, and then, uh, so, so those patients will definitely need additional treatment besides Botox alone. So the older the individual, I think the more difficult the, the problem. The younger the individual, once the problem is present, uh, the most effect, the most effective. So I would say the patient between about 30, 30 and maybe up to 55, 60 are, are, are ideal patients.
0: Okay. Well, it sounds like I'm right in the, I'm right in the zone now. You're, so. you're right there. We're,
1: we're, we're <laughs> right, right up. Okay. I actually have a little uh, my bottle here. I can, we can do this. right after <laughs> But if you are interested
0: in Botox, um, kind of what should you do? What's the process to follow?
1: Well, I think, uh, you see your doctor, your, your plastic surgeon, your dermatologist, uh, and like everything else, going to someone who does an awful lot of it, t- you tend to get the best results. So uh, you know, ask uh, query the the doctor or the or, or friends who've gone to other doctors who's had, who've had good experience. But I, I would stick with the the so called core uh, specialties: uh, plastic surgery, dermatology, um, rather than than going to internist, uh, general practitioner, or gynecologist. Uh, we we tend to have been uh, trained not only in Botox but also alternative alternatives to Botox, like I mentioned, certain pa- patients. Uh, really aren't going to benefit or need combination therapy. All
0: right. Well, we've covered a lot of info here, uh, Dr. Zenz, But before we part ways, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add for, for someone who's considering Botox
1: treatments? Visiting a doctor, talking to the doctor about it, perhaps, you know, if you have concerns or if you're hesitant, uh, then just going in and just having a consultation rather than uh, planning yeah. on having Botox injected and, and speak with the doctor uh, answer your question, answer the questions, um, answer the concerns, make sure you're comfortable before you have the procedure. But again, this is a procedure where the, where the, the risk is, is quite low. Always good to hear. So I'm going to take a little closer look at some of these lines, and uh,
0: maybe we'll be talking again here soon.
1: Sounds good, John. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: Thank you. Millions of people a year turn to Botox treatments to smooth out wrinkles and get a more youthful appearance. Know this going in though, it's a temporary fix, not a permanent return to youth. If you liked what you heard today, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment to share your thoughts. Till next time, be well.
1: Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician.